Welcome, everybody. This is Paul with the Discovery Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about memories and how they affect us. Uh, Jody is going to be the presenter this evening, so let's go ahead and give him the mic. Go ahead, Jody. All right. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, when when I first started working with Paul, you know, we talked a lot about um, kind of our past program conditioning, like where all these uh, internal thoughts and where it comes from. Um, and he started talking about kind of how we pretty much remember or store everything that we come in contact with. So that kind of sparked this idea looking into like our different memories and how they affect us. So some of these different memories are real obvious. Um, you've seen people with um, PTSD, uh, PTSD where they go through a traumatic event and it has a significant impact on how they're kind of reacting. And then there's other different phobias like claustrophobia where people are fear of like tight spaces and things like that. And all these different memories and things that we go through in life kind of all tie into a lot of the ways we react or automatically respond to different events and how things happen. So sometimes there'll be, different triggers that'll kind of spark off a memory and cause some of these reactions. And sometimes it just has to do with like our favorites, things that we like the most. Um, I like to talk about our favorite color, things like that, favorite foods. Um, it could be other stimulations such as like smell. Certain smells will spark a memory from maybe that one time you had, you, you had that smell and it brings you kind of back whether you, whether you know it or not. Uh, there's other things that you may notice if you kind of look at a different trend on, like different people that you are friends with, different people you date, things like that. A lot of these um, things that we like are usually kind of triggered off of something in our past program conditioning or something in our memory that kind of sparks that type of thought. And I did a little bit of research, and it says our brain is kind of capable, somewhere equivalent to like 1,000, over 1,000 terabytes worth of memory. And it, in one terabyte, you can store about 250,000 different pictures. And then all those pictures, you know, they say the, the saying, pictures worth a 1,000 words. So if you kind of try to wrap your head around that, which is really hard to do, our brain really has a significant amount of memory that we can store. So it's, it's really amazing how much that people kind of, I guess, right off to coincidence of different things that they kind of respond to or different things that they react to. And, you know, Paul talks about the three-step method where we identify, confront, and be proactive. And I think that the first one is really identifying um, those different memories, identifying where maybe those triggers or those uh, favorites kind of come into play. And there's a couple different methods. One is similar to kind of your typical therapy method, method where you just kind of sit down and you just talk about like your life and things like that. And you slowly kind of recall in a safe environment, all these different memories that you have and things that have happened. And you can kind of start to recognize how some of those things play into like the way you're reacting or the way you're feeling. And you really have to be in a safe place to allow 
your subconscious to kind of release some of those memories to your conscious mind because your subconscious has a lot of information and some of these things it's it's trying to protect you from so like any of these trauma events it'll it'll try to kind of block those out it's kind of its own way of um like its own self-defense mechanism so there's been different cases where some of these memories get blocked out so much or some of these experiences get blocked out so much where it has some significant physical effects on different people. Um, people have been known to, like, kind of cause different diseases based on different things that happen in their life on repeated occasions. So it's, it's interesting how it kind of works to kind of protect those memories that are not very favorable and from you recalling it. So there's other different methods where people will kind of take an inventory or they'll just start writing and they'll kind of write maybe like a little autobiography, all the things that happened in their life. And they can kind of write this stuff down and recall it in a safe environment and then kind of go back and look at it later. And that's all part of the identify part where you're really just trying to look at all these different situations and really figure out how they may be playing effect in your life and things like that. So some of these things, um, like when I've talked to Paul, you know, I'd, I'd bring up something and then he, he would ask a simple question like, well, you think that has anything to do with this? And it's interesting because a lot of times my automatic response would be like, no, there's no way that has anything to do with that. Um, so anything that kind of challenges that um, is automatically going to kind of respond to like that's that's not it so the second step is really confronting those being open to the possibility that there there may be something that you can't remember that's causing you to think or feel the way you're feeling um so you might not be able to recall that different memory but the possibility that there is something um whether it's from when you were born or things like that when you're real little and it's real hard to recall those memories that may have an effect and it may be causing some of these. So really identifying some of those that we can't recall isn't really that important. If we get to the confront part where we, we know we have a, we're dealing with a problem and it's probably linked to some memory that we can't recall, we can just kind of make that assumption that it's, it's linked to that and really just go to the confronting part and say, yes, this is what I'm, this is how I'm reacting. I'm not really sure why and I really need to do something about it. And a lot of people get extremely comfortable in who they think they are um, based on these memories and how they've been, you know, pretty much their whole life. Another saying I used to say was, uh, um, that's, that's just the way I am, you know. So a lot of people have that type of idea where they think they can't change because that's just who they are, and that's the way they, they've been their whole life. And a lot of that's all factored into that past program conditioning and, and how we kind of used all the information up until that point to kind of develop our personality, so to speak. And our internal thought and our it's going to always try to reinforce that. It's always going to try to do things, think things, and be the same as it identifies with your personality. So until we really confront that and can recognize that, it makes it really hard to do the last step, which is being proactive and 
you know, changing those things, kind of stop it in its track and try to develop new memories and develop new um, past programming to try to con control those and be able to change who we think we are into something else. And that that's what we'll use to kind of overcome those different problems or just limiting beliefs. We did a podcast a while back on limiting beliefs that kind of talk about all the different things that really hold us back. And it's really easy to kind of look, and a lot of people do comparing, where you start looking at, like, well, why do I have this type of belief that's really holding me back, and then these other people don't, where they have a completely different way of thinking. So basically just looking at your your past program conditioning and knowing that a lot of these things that we we have come from somewhere and other people have different experiences. They have different memories and different things. So basically that's where the proactive and awareness comes in is just recognizing that, Hey, this was a behavior. This was a thought or a feeling that I'm trying to change. Um, I know it's coming from somewhere. So I'm going to, I'm going to step in and, and do the opposite as Paul always says. So kind of a short, short little podcast on memories and there's a lot of different topics we've covered um, like limiting beliefs that really go into more detail on how these individual things and how that internal thought continues to play back those memories and really reinforces who we think we are. So thanks, Paul. Thank you, uh, Jody. We really appreciate that. Um, you know, sometimes, well, not just sometimes, but lots of times, people hold on to these bad neg negative uh, memories and suppress them so much that it makes them sick, you know. Uh, I'm not going to say what kind of sickness, but you know, and I, and I do, we all do, know that uh, suppressing me uh, memories, bad memories especially, doesn't do anything good for us. You know, that they lots of times blame others and hold others, uh, accuse others for things that they've done to themselves, but they can't take the responsibility and accountability, so they go ahead and uh, get someone else accuse someone else of uh, things that happened to them. I, you know, I really enjoyed the uh, talk tonight. Uh, appreciate it very much, Jody. Uh, Ray, you online, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. How has memories, good or bad, affected your life in the past? To the degree that, to the degree of today. Um, I mean, I, I can relate to that a great deal. The, the fact that uh, memories, they keep us anchored in the past. They have a, a huge weight on how we're able to perceive our, our present moment. So it's like our present moment is heavily colored and, and we filter everything that we experience now 
through the past, the, the lens of the past. And uh, we talked about something before, I think, was the reticular activating system that has some to do with that as well, that the things that we've experienced and the things that we um, hold in our memory, we we tend to, our, our, our again, the, our perception of the, the current moment tends to be pulled in those directions, things that we're already familiar with. So if we go out at work or to hang out with friends and we see ourselves as a failure, for example, we'll, we'll tend to look and pull from our environment situations and, and uh, interactions that confirm that belief, confirm those memories, essentially. And, uh, I mean, Jody, he, he put it very clearly and, and succinctly that uh, people have such a strong habit and urge uh, and incentive even to protect those memories. And the mind, I'm always, I'm always thinking about how crafty the mind can be, especially when dealing with the power of it to warp everything that we experience uh, if we're not careful. So if we don't strive for some sort of uh, to achieve a, a level of awareness that accounts for these tendencies of the mind, most people are living in a full-blown illusion. And that's one of the one of the sayings that Paul always said that stood out to me and stuck with me is things just not what they seem. And, you know, it can sound cliche or someone could take it light, lightly at first that, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, some things aren't just as they appear, and I can kind of understand that. But I've grown to, at least from my experience, my observations, most things aren't what they seem. We live in a life full of illusions that are, are created by our need for comfort. So we so badly yearn for comfort and, and uh, familiar uh, experiences and, and environments that even if they're not good for us, at least they're familiar, that the mind, which I do believe is a factory that creates most of our experience. So if that factory is creating most of our experience, it can do mostly whatever is necessary to achieve that that comfort that it's looking for. So sadly, I think too little people are, are, or too few people are aware of that. So, you know, even making a bold claim like that could seem far-fetched. And, you know, most people say, I need more info or, you know, more tangible evidence or, uh, we just have to sit with that idea and follow, you know, these different components down the down the uh, the path a little further to reach that same conclusion. But I assure you, you know, from working with Paul and through my own observations, and like Jody said, it's there's so much to it that it's at least worth looking into. And uh, when I started experimenting with the the mind and perception and beliefs many years ago. That's one of the 
the uh, mindsets that I think helped me to move into that uh, way of being is more, you know, thinking of it like an experiment. And that you got to have an open mind and, and kind of think of yourself as a scientist, you know, tinkering with the different uh, variables of the mind and of perception. Because most of these uh, alterations or a change in your behavior or your way of thinking, they they are challenging what appears to be real. And in order to challenge what appears to be real, you kind of got to look at it like an experiment where you try a little bit here, even though it seems strange and awkward. Try a little bit there, even though it's not normal to you, and see what you get. See what may or may not change so that you you can start to explore how much of it may be an illusion. And so, I mean, that's a great, great topic. And, you know, I hope everyone gets something out of it. And, uh, it just takes a little time to, to think about this. Uh, you know, it would take many days, many hours to, to really go through all the different, uh, concepts related to this and to maybe paint that bigger picture and perhaps we'll do more more on this topic in the future. But, you know, to really consider that power that these memories have and our tendency to to try to uphold these memories uh, and, and what we've come to believe ourselves to be as a result of those memories, realize that that is an active uh, endeavor that the mind is always you know, striving to achieve this sort of balance or this congruency with your current present moment with what you've come to believe. And most people come to believe it only from their experience. And it doesn't have to have been uh, any degree of truth to it. But if a person experiences it enough, they come to believe that it must be true and then go on to look for only evidence that supports that truth. Otherwise, they'd have to face that perhaps they've been living a lie, which a lot of times for people, when they're not thinking about it completely, is is an even more scary reality. The fact that perhaps they've been living a lie in this one department or in many departments, and uh, it's just a lot more, it's a lot easier to just, cherry pick, you know, uh, evidence that supports what you've already known, even if what you've already known is uh, a miserable um, realization, you know. And, uh, you know, thanks for bringing that topic up, Jody, and that's all I got for now. Appreciate it, Ray, your sharing and everything. You know, while you were talking, then I was thinking, you know, thousands upon thousands of deaths uh, with PTSD, you know, how the the memory and the it, you know, holds them in, in within prison their own, and within their own mind and repeatedly over and over they have flashbacks and things that, uh, nightmares and things that haunt them day in and day out because of those bad negative memories that they 
acquired, you know, in war or overseas during these uh, adverse exercises, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the it, the mind, can really um, control your life. And if you don't learn how to deal with them, like with the discover it method, the identify, to confront and become proactive, uh, it can really uh, put you in a bad situation in life. And uh, I know lots of veterans today that don't deal with their past memories the way they could. They just, you know, some of them died very soon in their lifetime, and some of them go on drugs, alcohol, and just walk the streets. I think it's uh, average 22 veterans with, that has had PTSD a day commit suicide, and that's a shame. You know, it's a shame that our veterans and people in general don't know how to deal with uh, their memories and this past program conditioning. I really appreciate, uh, Jody, uh, your presentation this evening, and Ray, your sharing with us. Jody, is there anything else you want to talk about memories uh, before we get off today? I think that's it. I think it was good. I think it was great, and I appreciate your uh, presentation and you also, uh, Ray, for sharing. So next Thursday night, uh, 7.30, everybody uh, tell their friends, relatives, and enemies to be on call, and we'll see you next Thursday night, 7.30. Y'all be real. Bye.